0: We're welcoming the folks who are watching us on live stream, video live stream. We're calling it the love stream.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. That was Ambaka, love streamers. So, this we're going to start here. People are moving their seats so they can get the view. And uh, I always like to start with a prayer. Yeah. So I like to place my hand on my heart, connect in. Folks from the HeartMath Institute say that when we do this for about 90 seconds, it literally boosts our immune system for six hours. So we place our hand on our heart to remind ourselves that we're wholehearted. We're not just paying lip service here. We're grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds to the unlimited, to the unprecedented love of God, our true identity. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we give thanks. So much gratitude, so grateful that we can lay our burden down, so grateful that we can Connect in love, compassion. Be generous of spirit with ourselves and with everyone we meet. So grateful to be able to come together with a holy purpose, remembering our true identity, remembering to laugh. And so we dedicate our time together to our awakening to our freedom and truly we share the benefits of our healing and our expansion our increasing clarity with everyone because we're one with them so grateful and thankful to join together in love and we allow our healing our awakening to be we let it be and so it is amen So, I want to thank my friend David Hoffmeister here for coming all the way to Mexico. Though he's been spending a lot of time in Mexico. I'm sure we'll hear about that. And uh, We've done a few retreats together, and uh, other assorted things along the way. Mm -hmm. And we always have a good time together. And it's always very playful and very deep, kind of oscillating. And of course, when you get really deep, it's Lighthearted. Yeah. It's joyful, that's our natural state. Um, one of the things that I remind myself is that joy is unconditional. Joy is a spiritual quality, it's part of our true identity, and it's not based on circumstances. I learned that when uh, my mom was really sick with cancer, and uh, I still had so much joy. I had more joy because i was just completely in a space of love caretaking with my parents i was i was giving love they were receiving it the blocks to love were dissolving and it was so joyful even though the circumstances were just in certain ways horrific you know the physical body the things the contortions and things that can happen an illness can seem like a horror movie. But yet, I had so much joy because my parents were willing to receive all the love that I had to share, and and vice versa. So there was this incredible exchange of joy, and I really, really got that joy is not conditional. You know, and things, it may seem like things make me happy, but uh, that's an illusion. You know, and and happiness is really, it is circumstantial. It comes and goes, oh, I'm so happy I have water. You know, that I don't have water. No, I'm not happy anymore. So, learning to just be observant of those things and let them go. So, but this is your time to ask questions. So, the one requirement here, I think, and do you have anything to say up front?
2: Oh yeah, (laughs) I just, your opening prayer earlier, to this afternoon about how it's it's already here and all we have to do is open to it to experience it and receive it. It's not really something that we have to like aim off for a distant future. And um, I know I share your feeling that this is a living experience. It's very joyful, very playful, very spontaneous. The thought that was just coming to me too is what Jesus says in the Course of Miracles, are involuntary, and should not be under conscious control. That's, a, that's the big thing for human beings, because everything seems to be controlled. Schedules, future, plans. And I think, uh, I know Jennifer has shared the idea of these kind of a relaxing place to come and be together and walk together, meditate together, eat together, live together. I know I've found it extremely helpful. That's why mm-hmm. I sometimes have retreats that last six weeks. I've got another one coming up, a, a six-week retreat coming up. And it's more like a mini-community than a retreat. You just, people get to know each other. They start to become more telepathic since they're all on the same path. And after mm-hmm. six weeks, it's, it gets that way. But I, I like that. It should not be under conscious control. Jesus tells us. So you wanna become habitually miracle minded. Like you get so in the mode with the Holy Spirit that it, it's second nature. You don't have to to think of it. You don't need to, have to get get notes out. You can it's like we talked in our group, it's joyful, it's natural. There's not a sense of trying to control it or make it happen. It's just who you are, just bubbling over. So I'm looking forward to this week as a chance to really have that experience with all of you and, and I think these Q and A's are great and panel discussions because there's so many examples and miracles and different angles that help us come into that experience.
0: It's true. You know what is also just coming to me to share here is, here's how I met David Hoffmeister. Uh, I was doing my first Living a Course in Miracles series, one of the eight week series. And um, somehow, Spirit communicated to me to contact you and ask you to be one of the teachers, and you said yes. And so, I think we had a conversation before our class for maybe 90 minutes Mm -hmm. or something, and then we had our class, and then we talked after the class. And um, prior to that, quite honestly, I didn't know anything about David. I might have read a little something on a website somewhere, but I really have learned to just trust Spirit. Spirit says, this person, great. And a couple of times, Spirit has, has said, pick this person for a living, Of course in miracles. I didn't even know if they knew anything about the Course. And then it turned out, oh, they've they've been studying the Course for 30 years. But I didn't even know that about them. So I've learned to just follow that guidance. So that's how I met David. And so when I first started talking with him, I had such a feeling like, this is, this is my brother. This is, you know, such a, just a, a brotherly feel. I don't know, maybe we've been, I don't know what, who knows, it doesn't matter. But uh, just have such a sense of uh, walking together in this way. And um, So I, I could tell you things about this man and where he's been and what he's done and the things I've learned from him. And uh, uh, about his life, but I, I I don't like I don't introduce myself with all it doesn't none mm. of that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't but you know there's information to be had if people are mm-hmm. interested. And okay. certainly your life is very interesting. there's no question of that yeah, so I'm sure that'll come it's up quite too. interesting. yeah, and
2: also it seems like when we come together like we did a a, get a gathering at a retreat center in Hawaii, and it was. It has some similarities to this, because uh-huh. it was a beautiful, warm uh-huh. place, and it was a cozy little group, uh-huh. that, and it was over the course of a week, and uh-huh. so many intimate sharings, mm. that these became lifelong friends, mm-hmm. and it just was like a life-changing event mm-hmm. over that week, so here we are again, and yeah. it starts again, this time in Mexico.
0: Yeah, so we've really set that intention and hold that space for deep transformation. Because there's no limit. You know, it's all about just, are you willing to let go of that which is false and remember that which is real? And so, we together hold that space that we're here for a reason, you know, for a divine appointment. And so, no limits. Yeah, divine appointment. Mm. So, yeah, I, 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 we always know it'll just flow perfectly if you have a question and we'll just take off and start running and, and the live streamers can email in a question. I, I've forgotten what that address is, though. Is it, it's there on the website, though. Livestream at jenniferhadley.com. Livestream at jenniferhadley.com. So, um, Sarah, who is going to offer the microphone, if anybody has something they'd like to bring up.
2: Live on the love stream. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, Many people say, they look at creation and they say,
3: it looks like God's plan is evident in creation. How would you, how would the Course interpret that thought?
2: I think if you look at, if you're talking about like the physical world of the cosmos, um, oftentimes there's a sense of of design and order um, that's in it. And um, in that sense you could kind of draw from that a little bit that there's a, there's a divine order, um, not a divine order in form but more like the Bible says, all things work together for those who love the Lord. And the, and the Course says, all things work together for good. There are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. So there's, there's like a synergy of everything working together from the higher perspective not from the ego's perspective. It, it, it doesn't have a clue of what that divine order is. There's harmony in the real world. There's a sense of flow and, and peace and grace that's all part of a healed perception of the world where time is simultaneous and not linear because the ego made up the past, present, future idea construct. Um... Also, you could flip it around and like the scientists look at uh, this thing of entropy that everything in the cosmos is moving towards chaos, <laughs> and, um, which is a, a flip side. And, and the Course is teaching us it's all temporary. So don't ultimately put your faith in the temporary because even in Corinthians it said, you know, that'll pass away. The Bible says it, the Course says it. Um, so that 's another kind of a, a flip and an angle. Um, so there's a few parallels you can draw, but ultimately the cosmos is is perception, and the course is telling us you know, uh, unlike the Bible in Genesis which, which taught us that God created the heavens and the earth it 's saying, "Oh God created the heaven, the eternal heavens, and the ego projected out the the cosmic. Uh, linear construct. And actually quantum physicists have now kind of mapped out uh, the the entire cosmos and I was watching one program where it it looked like a loaf of bread (laughs) Um, and which every time I see any program I always get all these lines that come from the course so I see this like cosmic loaf of bread and it's quite static almost like you're taking a picture of a loaf of bread, which reminded me of the line from the workbook, the script is written, the loaf of bread is written. I was like, <laughs> Look at that, the loaf of bread <laughs> is written. And then if you perceive yourself as inside the loaf of bread, then that's where you seem to be in linear time. You know, your, your location and your time in history and everything that seems to be the human being is just like coordinate inside the loaf of bread. And the whole loaf's already done. It's all destined in form. Everything that seems to have happened, as has the Course tells us, it just spun out in a, in a tiny mad idea, in an unholy instant. And we're just reviewing it as if it's still happening. But it's actually all over and done, that it's all been handled. So I think, you know, there's always things in form that every time I see them or hear them, I, th- I get lines from the Course. It's like Jesus saying, see, this is what I mean. You see? On that <laughs> program there, you see that? You see that? And I like that correlation. I like mm-hmm. that Jesus is always talking to me and using the, the examples from the cosmos to say, this is what I mean. That's what I was talking about, you know, to bring it all together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well said. I, I think the only things that I would add to that are, I always find it so comforting to know that divine will is the only will there is. There's an illusion that there's a separate will, but there's not. There's just divine will unfolding. And uh, our will is God's will. Because uh, we're the presence of God. And so there's no force that's ever working against us. Y- it can look that way. It, and it def- definitely does look that way sometimes. You know? Uh, but it's not actually possible. And I find that deeply comforting, that I can just relax my mind and say, this is for my good, so let me receive my good. Let me not reject it or think it should be different. Let me just allow myself to receive the good that has been carefully planned for me by one whose only interest is my good, who loves me completely, is nothing but love, so I, I, you know, and I, I have to remind myself of that. But, but the good thing is, I notice I remind myself of it less and less and less. So that's nice. And, um, you know, it's like, watching a DV, it, it's like watching a DVD of what already took place. It's past, the future, the present, all happening simultaneously. How can you wrap your mind around that? You really can't. It might help if you had animation, <laughs> if you had it animated in front of you with a visual, but it's not really possible. And I don't know about you, but I come into places where there was one I came to recently where I, I had a kind of a eh, just a, I'll say it's a, it was a misunderstanding with a friend of mine, and um, her feelings got hurt. And she told me about it, and we cleared it up. And uh, and then I went and sat and I meditated for a long time. And in the meditation, I felt that there was another version of that experience where I said, this is too hard. This being spiritual, this being loving is too hard. I'm not going to keep pushing the envelope anymore. I'm just going to rest here. I'm spiritually enough. I'm awake enough. This is fine. What do, oh, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be loving all the time. I can just rest here. This is good enough. You know? People already have affirmed. Look at her. She's doing so well. Why can't I just let this be enough? Why do I have to attain enlightenment or wake up? I just let this be enough. And that in some other version, I, I said, Yeah. That's it. I'm going to rest here. You know? Check, please. And, uh, but in that moment, although I could feel it as a strong energy, it wasn't anything I had any interest in. But I was so grateful to just see it, and to see how those things can happen. Those, because I, I, I do perceive that there are people who seem to have said, I'm just going to rest here. You know, I'm not going to open my mind any further. I'm not going to let go of these things that are blocks to love. I like them, I'm keeping them. You know? So um, in, in the script, I, th- I experience there are times where I've, I, I feel as though I have been here before and made other choices before. Because it's, it's like, you know, it's a book. It's a book that has all these, if you think of it that way, the book that has all these alternatives, you're familiar with them because you wrote them. So they feel familiar. Deja vu all over again.
3: Um, I think people in this room kind of get it. Yeah.
2: everything we perceive in the world is, is just a motion picture of thoughts and beliefs. And so if you're able to just look upon the world and watch the news and watch what's happening and, and you have this calmness inside, then that's a peaceful perception of the world. And I like that course workbook idea. When I am healed, I am not healed alone. And legions upon legions will arise when I accept the gift of healing. So, he's kind of hinting all the time in the Course, he's just saying, there's really only one mind, and when I accept the correction in my mind, and I have a peaceful perception of the world, then that's it, the, the world is healed. It's, you know, he even says at one point, when, when you accept the gift of healing, that, that you accept it for every mind, so he's kind of hinting in all these kind of ways and metaphors that it's just one correction. And that's why he also says in the Course, Jesus says, when I awoke, you were with me. So he's kind of pointing to, it's a done deal. You, this isn't something that's kind of a collective thing or a hundredth monkey thing or, <laughs> you know, he, he throws a couple lines in there. It, it's like that the separation occurred over millions of millions of years and the, the reparation or the correction which is a very linear metaphor that may take that long or longer. That's one of those time metaphors. But if you really look at what he's saying in the Course, it's really much simpler than that. It's, it's just, you need to accept the atonement for yourself. And then you see the impossibility of war. Because he's already told us in the Course, the war against yourself is almost over. That's when we think of war. It's not soldiers fighting or countries fighting. The war against yourself, believing you're an ego, is the war against self, against your Christ self, thinking you can be something else. And it just seems to get simpler and simpler when, when you open up to it. Like it's not a, a multiple thing or it's not on multiple levels. It's actually real basic. Very simple.
3: And um, being like that, I guess you've just given me a good, a lot of peace right now. Um, does that kind of help the world a little bit to be more peaceful? So is the wish <laughs> we'll go more my way um, on the <laughs>
1: bread one time people were coming to the door and asking me to feed them but i was instructed to take a slice of bread and eat it myself and so it seemed like the the bread was holographic but i could only give what i had so when i ate the bread in this dream then i had mm-hmm. to give to those who were knocking my door down mm-hmm. because then i had it mm-hmm. holographically so And and this idea of of time not being linear, it's like here's the parade coming along, and here's a fence, and the little boy is looking at the parade through the hole. But God is looking at it from above and sees the whole parade. But we don't have that experience. I don't know, maybe there's some way we can, but maybe we aren't supposed to because we chose this experience so that we could have moments that were holy, and moments that we didn't choose <laughs> to, to see as holy, and then, because of the experience of not choosing to see it as holy, we could have the contrast.
0: Exactly. It's a world of contrast. It? it is. It's a world of contrast. It's so important to, to understand that.
1: If, if we didn't have wars, we wouldn't have the choice of the contrast.
0: Well, and, but uh, the war is, it's an outpicturing of what's happening inside. I mean, many of us, we have times in the day where the self-talk is unloving. We, we are having a little battle or maybe a raging war, maybe a nuclear holocaust against ourselves and our mind. Right? So, yeah, and so then we see it outside, and when we see it outside, it bothers us. But when there's peace inside, whatever's going on outside, it doesn't bother us. We see it as a cry to love, for love, you know, to, to share love, to know the truth, to hold the truth in your mind. Sometimes there's a call to participate in some way to share in the physical world of form in some way but it it's you know it's it's not at all easy to begin to take responsibility for everything i see and to recognize that everything is just as i wish it would be
1: it's that, that feeling of helplessness that makes us feel like well War is so huge, and there's nothing I and little me can do. There's that littleness, you know, where we feel it's right to feel little, and therefore powerless, and therefore, we don't have the power in our words and our prayers and our call for help, or that we don't have mighty warriors that will come when we're asking, that, that we're separate.
0: But that, that is the biggest lie there is, that I don't have the power that there's nothing I can do. That is the biggest lie there is. That is the ultimate insanity. To believe that for one second is to deny your godliness. And in that denial is all the crushing, crushing pain of separation. You know, so if there's ever one instant in your life when you think, what can I do? I'm powerless. You are without any you, you you are making that choice to align with the ego and to believe the greatest lie that was ever told.
2: Yeah, the word contrast, that when the mind is fallen asleep and it's unaware that it's dreaming and it has a deep sense of denial, then the Holy Spirit has to use contrast, Mm -hmm. because it's in such a deep slumber. Some of you might have seen that that movie um, where there's layers and layers of dreaming, Inception.
0: Oh, Inception, yeah.
2: You know, that they're so far down, so many layers of dreaming, that they need a big kick, a very strong kick to wake them up. And then, I think, further you go with the journey, then it's, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit needs happy learners. The only way we're going to get the final lesson is, is through becoming really light, playful, happy, and welcoming the happy lessons, and experiencing that we don't need the contrast, that we can actually take the direct approach to happiness. And I think Everything goes much quicker. That's how it went in my experience. That early on, the lessons were harder. Mm-hmm. It took me longer time mm-hmm. to shift my mind, and the contrasts were even m- much more extreme. And then it got lighter and lighter mm-hmm. and lighter. And then it just started to transfer, like or like an exponential, like lightening that started to happen, where the contrast wasn't necessary anymore. The pain was really optional. I could, I was really getting, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. I, and then I had years that started to go by where I didn't have a bad day. That was like amazing after <laughs> the, tr- the track record I had before. <laughs> that was really miraculous. But that's when you can tell you're really coming into the happy dream when you don't have a bad day and you start to not even remember the last time that you had a bad day, then that's, that's where it just gets stronger and stronger. So we, we learn best through attraction. We are really attracted to joy. Mm. I think one, sooner or later we give into that and we go, yeah, that's actually the way I want it to go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: go ahead. Do you feel also, because I've read, that pain is an option and that um, Jesus Christ on the cross chose not to suffer? Have you heard that?
2: Yeah, that's what he's teaching in the course is that um, he talks about in the workbook where he says if God is real there is no pain and if pain is real, there is no God. That's the most direct statement of that. So it's not like trying to incorporate pain or whatever. It's, it's showing that, he also says pain is a misperception. So it's a great demonstration to know that little bit that Jesus didn't suffer, that he had no guilt in his mind and you have to have guilt in your mind before you can have seemingly physical suffering because there's no body outside the mind. And that's good to know too. I, that wasn't part of the, the Catholic message or, <laughs> or fundamental Christianity. That was like the exact opposite <laughs> of that. So,
0: No money in this uh, way of thinking.
2: Yeah. But I did a little skit down in um, Chapala where I was, I was playing um, there's a Course in Miracles student, and then there's a fundamentalist Christian, and the fundamentalist Christian is saying, you know, well listen, sin is real, and Jesus died for our sins, and you can't reach heaven without the sacrifice of the blood of the Lamb, and the Course in Miracles student is saying, no, actually there is no sin, and I finally attained this position, this theology, that there is no sin and da da da. And I was playing it out like both sides because if you go deeper, you can start to see in the Course that even though he'll say there is no sin, he says, as long as you have investment in the body and judgments and preferences, you do believe in sin. So it was portraying that there's really two Believers in sin. One theology is saying it's real; the other one's saying it's not. But in the end, it's the experience in our heart. That's mm-hmm. why we should should never look down on a brother or a sister as if we have a better theology, because it's all about experience. It's, and that's quite a lot of mind training. Yes. And that's why it's very humbling when you get into this journey. You know, to see. <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: Yes. Fortunately, it's wonderfully humbling. Yeah. Without humility, you you can't remember who you are. Yeah. It's just not even possible. Because, as uh, folks who are in class with me know, I say it all the time, the thing about humility is recognizing that no one is better, no one is worse, and it's not even about equality. It's about oneness, unity. You know, equality is different than unity. We're one with each other, so the ultimate humility is to simply accept the oneness. And so if, if you're thinking better than or less than, you don't have humility, so y- you're not able to comprehend the oneness. Because people ask all the time, how, how can I get the oneness? How do you explain the oneness? And uh, Ken Wapnick said, oh, Jennifer, it's not even possible to understand it. I, I, I don't even try. But I, I, I think it's, it's, it's if you just say, there's no better than, there's no less than. It's all one. And you keep working with that. And watch your mind for when the, the mind is going better than, less than, better than, less than. And say, no, one with, one with. You start to, you know, release that constant sorting, 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 sorting that the ego mind does. It's really helpful. I'm all about practical. That's mm-hmm. why I really love David, too, it's just like practical application.
4: Please forgive me.
3: out with people that maybe not be in the course or you know the whole real world or made-up world whatever you want to say I'm triggered with a little reaction a little anger a little and and it was like you said you found it to be easier and easier as you so I guess that's just the answer to my question probably is that it just is going to become easier as I continue to practice the course But sometimes the course confuses me when it says you can't ride two horses. You can't. I mean, like you're in or you're out. And sometimes, like, well, I was still getting a little triggered, so I must be out. And it's just this constant back and forth talk I have with myself that can become quite a challenge in itself. The lessons. Yeah, (laughs) it's the
0: ultimate challenge.
3: Yes. So.
0: How to make it easier? Yoda.
2: Yoda, I think I'm I'm like Jennifer I'm so much into practical application I I always say I I think I said on one of your shows your radio Uh, shows or or classes one of the two that that uh, the spiritual journey is one percent principle and 99 percent practice and it's important to get clear on that principle that's why we have a (laughs) a text that has 31 chapters, we want to get super clear without any distortions on the principle, but then still it wouldn't do you any good unless you apply it without exception. So I think when you're talking, you know, I first used the Course as kind of an oracle where I would just pray Mm. and open it up and then have amazing answers, like having a Jesus right there in front of me, oh my gosh, you know, an oracle, oracle and the one point i was guided to the manual for teachers and it's got that great thing on the, the 10 characteristics of a teacher of god but then the first one is trust and it has the stages of the development of trust it's got to be one of the most fascinating things ever on the planet in the history of the universe i'm it's like truth. oh it's my truth. god jesus has given the stages of the development of trust there's oh my god there's six stages where am I? Uh, you know, you know it's, it's the question we always ask when we are given a number like that, yeah. like, where am I? So then I looked at them and I kept reading through them and reading through them and reading through them. And then I, I stepped back one day and I said, wait a minute, four of the six are difficult <laughs> and challenging. I went, okay, I did pray, give it to me straight. You know, if it's, if it's going to be a lot of darkness, like right. through the darkness to light, then tell it to me up front. Right. So that at least I have a context for this, so that I'm not mm-hmm. like clo- throwing the book in the river and or tearing the pages out one by one. You know, I have to give me a context so that I know that just like if somebody gave you a, a test to do and they said it's a high degree of difficulty or there will mm-hmm. be lots of failures before you have breakthrough successes. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great teacher mm-hmm. to do that so you're not too disappointed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good thing to keep in mind, you know that we're this is a very high calling. It's the highest there could ever be and and don't don't be too hard on yourself when you go through that that talk and that chatter and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know my bottom line is that uh, I reached a point where I refuse to judge myself. There still comes in temptation in my mind to judge myself, but I just, I just, I, none of that. There will be none of that. I, I'm just like, no, talk to the hand. Mm-hmm. I am not <laughs> listening to <laughs> that. To no, really, just <laughs> like, talk to the hand. Yeah, and uh, and I'm serious about that, because you know, and I I have gone through literally, I have gone through. And we have all done this. Have you? uh, Have you? Who in this room has not spent, or who in this room has, like me, spent an entire night without sleep, laying in the bed, going over the (laughs) self-judgment? You know, haven't most of us done that? You know, where we're just like, you know, and then we're like, I'm not, and then no, it's their fault. Now we're going to judge them their fault no it's somebody else to blame somebody else to blame and then it goes back around to oh but I'm just not good and right I mean I used to do that and so I really realized there's no benefit to that absolutely none and I also realized that I I made a commitment to treat myself like someone I love and I would not allow Myself to treat someone I love that way. So I won't do it. And so I learned to interrupt the pattern by saying, darling, sweetheart, there's no good that can come of that. There's no benefit. It's all a pack of lies. Let's do something that has benefit. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Let's do something that has benefit. Or even, you know, let's, let's just lay here. But I also have learned to ask for help. You know, that's why at the beginning of all my prayers, we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. The Holy Spirit is not separate from me. Nothing is separate from me. So I'm I, I'm partnering up with the, the part of my beingness that knows the absolute truth about me. And I'm handing over all the sense of separation. You know, and I just, I've really learned to, I just did it, hundreds and, you know, thousand times a day. It's that willingness. It's like, oh, I've been doing it all day for hours now. Well, do it for the next hours and, you know. And I I went through a period of, uh, I would say a couple years that felt brutal. It felt like I was in a washing machine those wash machines that go like that. Now they have the ones that just kind of go like that. But, (laughs) you know, where it just seems so much gentler. It's kind of like, I know, honey. Yeah, I know. I know, honey. But I was in the one that was like, (laughs) (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, that was it. You know, it's the contrast, constantly agitating and, um, and I w- I was in, for a couple of years, I was in a three-day cycle where one day I would find myself literally compulsively praying for healing. Just all day long. I'd wake up all through the night praying, 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 praying. And just I, I'm opening my mind for healing. I'm willing to accept my healing. I'm choosing the healing. I'm uh, allowing the healing. And uh, let me know the truth. I live as the Christ, you know, constantly praying and praying, and then the next day after that, it would be uh, literally like an exorcism, that third chakra in my belly feeling like there was a war in here, you know, because that third chakra is really around your perception of yourself, so the ego is like, no, you, you're mine, I got you. I got you good. You're mine. You know, it was like, no, I'm free. I'm free. No, you're not free. Let me show you the evidence. I got evidence. And I'm like, no, you, nothing you're saying is real. No, I, it is real. You, I, can, I can show you it's real. Let me show you it's real. Th- you can show me everything you got and I still won't believe it. Oh, I got gotcha, you. I got something. I know I got something for you. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Until I would collapse in exhaustion. And then on day three, I would feel like the day after the storm, you know, where everything smells good, the air is fresh, I'd be like, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free of all that stuff that I argued so hard, you know, I prayed so hard to let go of, I argued so hard to keep, to let go, keep, let go. I'm free of that stuff now. And then the next day, I'm back in the prayer like, like, and it was just, it just was like I would wake up and I would just start praying intensely. It would just go on all day, all day, all day. I, I literally was in that for a couple of years. It was, it was intense, and I remember at one point saying to my best friend, this is exhausting. I am exhausted from doing this. And if I have to do it every day for the rest of my life like this, this three-day cycle, I'm in. Because I know it will come to an end. And, you know, if it takes every day of this lifetime till it comes, whatever it takes, I'm in. There's no alternative. Mm -hmm. You know? There's just no alternative. No alternative I'm interested in. You know? And still, in all of that, and even now, there are times when I am interested in something. Oh, there's something that is upsetting me. And then I'm like, no, no. But, you know, you get a little caught, you know? But if you can go right into giving thanks, ah, I got caught. So whatever it is that caught me, I can turn it over, and it'll never catch me again. If I'm sincere, it will never catch me again. How cool is that? I mean, let's face it. If you had a room full of 100,000 stinky things that were infested in your life and you could just get rid of some every day, eventually they'd all be gone. That's how it is. And the minute you don't want any of them, they can all be gone. Because it's not about time. I, hmm. I just love that. Hmm. Once you get to that point where you really see, I, I can be free. The freedom, it's, 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 it's happening. Even just for glimpses, right? I mean, it's because then you start, you, you build momentum. You really build momentum. So you can just start saying, I'm willing to build momentum. Bring it. But then when it's, when it's crazy and you're in the muck and the mire, you gotta remember you said, bring it
2: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: and detach from thinking that it's bad or wrong. I mean, it's a practice 99%. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Cause the hundred thousand stinky things all have one thing in common and it's <laughs> identity. Exactly. It's every issue, every crisis, every concern is always one of identity even though the ego made up a complex world where it seems to be on so many different levels, societal and interpersonal and psychic and all these things, it's, it, the trick is going to come to an end when it seems you see, oh my gosh, this is, an, this is an identity war. And I want to see that these all these hundred thousand stinky things are really just one thing. And be convinced of that, that's what happens. Yeah.
3: Ha, <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: I'm not aware of it being addressed in the course.
2: Not specifically. I know um, Ken Wapnick talked about how a lot of times prophets and and sages back in the time of Jesus would would quote the Psalms or quote Scripture, and sometimes there is a beautiful Psalm. I think a Psalm of David that that starts out with, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It's a really a beautiful song, but it just starts out that way. Just like sometimes people who are giving talks, you know, will will quote something and then take it through to the fullness of, of what's real and true. That was the only um, time I've ever heard somebody try to kind of put it in a different context, you know, like say do you just look at the words by themselves? It doesn't make any sense. Put it into a context because the words by themselves go against the whole teaching of the course. right If it, the course is teaching you can't be a victim of something outside of you, much less God. that right. would be Jesus knew God, it was one with God. so if you look at all the passages and all the teachings together, you see that there, there are things that are Jesus is purported to have said, and some of them are reinterpreted, and some of them even go back to the Old Testament. You know, like He even reinterprets um, a line from, I think, of the Old Testament, which I thought could never be reinterpreted. I thought, how can you interpret, reinterpret that? That's, it was, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But he actually flips the whole thing around, kind of saying, vengeance is, is not a thought that belongs in your holy mind. Give it to me. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And I was like, oh my God, if he can reinterpret that, he could <laughs> reinterpret everything. But I, I would say the whole teachings of the Course show that that line by itself uh, could never have been something that what Jesus would have taught uh, ever, even on the cross, and then when you see that he says pain is a wrong perception, and clearly he was identified at one with God, he would never have taught wrong-minded perception on the cross at that point. Yeah.
0: No matter how stressful it seemed to right. be.
2: No matter how the <laughs> ego was judging, like that's a bloody mess, that's got to hurt. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not from a right-minded perspective, you know, that's, that's not it. And he was teaching that God loved us. That God would never, you know, put His beloved Son through any kind of ordeal. It was those were just ego ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it seems so clear to me at this point that we we learn from extremes sometimes. I mean that's so that's an extreme thing to offer us. You know, to me, to me, His life. And the way it played out was absolutely perfect, and there there's not an alternative really, where he would have uh, he and Mary would have raised you know their children and grandchildren and gotten old and feeble that's That's not what they came for so
2: yeah, yeah I think it's another good example of projection where. Um, when you look at the projected world and, and you perceive blood coming from a body, um, there's a lot of associated meanings that go with that. And pain and suffering are with that. And um, people will say that to me too about things like the part of the Bible where Jesus went to the temple and the money changers and he was cracking a whip and then he overturned a table he said, no, Clearly he got angry, Uh, whether he says anger is not justified and pardon is always justified. I said, no, actually you could turn a table over from a peaceful place. It would just be another extreme teaching device in a temple, money on the table. And you, I said, I could push a table over and be very peaceful. I wouldn't necessarily, you're reading meaning into Jesus and making him seem to be angry, but he was just doing that as a teaching device. That when you look back at the day that they were they were selling animals to be burned as a sacrifice to god that 's actually what what was happening in the, temple. in the temple, and that was just a no, this is not the way <laughs> this you are not going getting any special favor by God by p- spending money in the temple to buy animals to be burned you know no, this is not the way from a peaceful place, but I, I think It's good to talk about these things because that would be another example of projection of saying, Jesus got angry because he turned the table over, which I don't feel is the the case at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, anyone who's ever raised children or been around children or led a retreat knows (laughs) (laughs) that sometimes you have to raise your voice for people to hear you, you know? I mean it's just right sometimes working with a child sometimes you have to get their attention some way and make make that help them to see that you need them to to listen for their own safety things like that but it, yeah, it doesn't mean that you're angry with them
1: Sometimes we've been taught that uh, this is a translation that we've got in English and that came from another translation which was in a different language and I heard that way back in Constantine's day he said I want a religion, I think I'll just hijack that one. And they changed a lot of Jesus' teachings to something that wasn't. You know, so who knows to say that that was really coming out of Jesus' mouth. I mean, I know that he loves the Psalms. I know that Psalm 22 starts, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But like you said, he takes the whole context of the entire psalm, and it comes out in victory at the end with praise and adoration to his father. So, you know, he, he may have started it intending with his, his mental intention mm-hmm. the victory at the end. And to to be able to... Uh, to open his arms. And so this is, this is how much uh, love is able to encompass. Mm-hmm. It can swallow, swallow it up. It can swallow up pain. It can swallow up uh, the, uh, whatever uh, is thrown at it. It can swallow everything. This is how much that love can swallow up. And uh, Father, forgive them for... Uh, they know not what they do, it just swallows
2: it all. It's great that you're mentioning that, because if you look at the comp, if you take anything out of context, the ego can build a case for it. And I noticed that recently, because they had the the Oscars, the Academy Awards, and then I was down in Mexico, I didn't see them until the next day, I just saw the awards and who won and this and this, but but there was all this paparazzi spin on certain things and who said what and who ruined the whole night by saying this and who was embarrassed and who this. And so I thought, my goodness, there's just a big gossip spin on the whole thing besides who won and lost. And one of the things was was it was blown up. I looked, it was all over the internet. It was some photograph of John Travolta kissing Scarlett Johansson from the side and she kind of was looking very serious and straight ahead and and everywhere I saw this image there was this caption, this was the creepiest moment of the night and creepy, creepy, creepy. It was just, it was a kiss with creepy associated with it absolutely everywhere. And then I saw about a week later um, Scarlett Johansson said, listen, that wasn't creepy. John Travolta and I, he was a co-star, I hadn't seen him for a while. It doesn't show all the moments before the photograph in which we were having a a cordial, friendly time of two friends having not seen each other and this and this, and after the moment, which they spent a little more time, it actually was a celebration, she said, of coming together, a very respectful celebration, and the paparazzi caught one instant and threw a word, creepy, (laughs) in there and spun a whole thing, which finally, after about a week or so, she decided to comment and say, no, no, that wasn't creepy at all. And kind of like, I'm gonna set the record straight, but it just shows how something can be taken out of context Mm -hmm. and for a a purpose of, of judgment or a grievance or negativity, you know, just one little moment
0: I, that reminds me of um, I'm I'm not a Bible scholar, but when I was in ministerial school, school, I did study the Old and New Testaments. One thing I learned is that uh, Jesus spoke in Aramaic. They wrote it down in Hebrew. And the soonest anybody wrote it down was 25 years after he died. It's like they waited for 25 years, and then they said, "You yeah, know, we would better write that down." some of those things he said before we forget them it's been 25 right. years now but some of it was written down much later than that and um, so then they took it from Hebrew into Greek into Latin into English and Hebrew the language they wrote it down in has no punctuation and then you know they came along A couple of hundred years after Jesus died you know after they wrote it down and they said you know let's just edit this let's uh I I think we should go for a virgin birth does that sound I know people really like virgin birth so let's put the virgin birth in there but you know the thing is is if if Jesus was born of a virgin he probably would have mentioned it at some point don't you think he might have said let's not forget I was born of a virgin That's kind of impressive, people. Listen up. How many of you were born of a virgin? (laughs) People would go, really? Born of a virgin? Yeah. Can you prove that? Yes. People would have been like, hey, that guy was born of a virgin. It's true, though. I don't know. I think that's really funny. You're not laughing, so (laughs) maybe you're tired.
2: (laughs) And that was... That was the the skit two thousand years ago, and then what we do know too from from all the the transcripts that came from helen schuckman and and Ken Wapnick working closely with them and everything was that Ken tells the story that that Helen had so much resistance <coughs> to what was being given her that frequently she would this is 2,000 years later. We're not even talking about the Latin, the Hebrew and all this. This is, this is 1965 to 1972. The resistance was so strong that he would say, what I said was this, mm. what you wrote was this, and they had to go back. That's why it took seven years to do something that probably without that much resistance could have been done in mm. a year and a half but he had to frequently go back and say, okay now what I said was this, what she wrote was this, now put it down. Then, on top of that, when they do all that, she finally would, you know, put it all down. She'd have it in these black binders. Helen Shuckman was like an obsessive editor. In fact, Ken Wapnick told me the story one time where he stopped into Helen's office And she was on the telephone and so he waited patiently for like 10 minutes for her to get off the phone and then finally he had to get on to other things. So he just looked around for a piece of paper to scribble a note on and he scribbled a little note and kind of went, I gotta go because she was on the phone. She took her pen, she started editing the punctuation (laughs) on Ken's note (laughs) that he was leaving for. He was like, so what happens is, she would like, get it in the black book, she, you know, she'd take the note down in shorthand, then Bill Thetford would hold her hand, come or type, type it out, you know, from the shorthand, and then when they went into the editing process with the course, she would go and start changing words, but he was using these words consistently and it wouldn't match. Mm. She would get in there and start trying to edit, words. And then she'd have to go back and change it back. So you can see the same thing that Jennifer was talking about even 2,000 years later. It's absolutely amazing that we have A Course in Miracles. (laughs) It's absolutely a a miracle that we have that book in, in the form that it came through with iambic pentameter and all the things that you have to keep with the rhythm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, you know, those ten meters sentence after sentence after sentence after sentence if you try to go in there and change something you you aren't going to get shakespearean iambic pentameter if you mess with with one or two words even so you know it's that was probably part of how he got it through exactly
0: that's what that that's what's so clear is that with that was a device to keep her from keep them from editing it because yeah. Mess it up <laughs> High five to Jesus, dude. <laughs> he really wow, that's did great. A job. <laughs> I never, I never caught that before. Yeah. That yeah. is amazing. That yeah. that that was the purpose of the iambic pentameter. That seems really clear.
2: Yeah. There's some singers I saw on a movie that Jimmy Dwyman's working on now, a chorus in miracles, and they're like into into rap and you know they're into the rhythm and big time and they were just marveling at the the, the I- iambic pentameter. Ah. They were like man you know some this had to come from some source to go page after page, chapter after chapter in iambic pentameter. They were just blown away because you know with the rhythm, the rhythm. And, the, and the rap they're, they're paying attention to that with all their lines and their songs and they were super impressed with the course. Yeah. 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 It's just he, Jimmy Twyman is just starting to film it. A, a chorus in miracles. And chorus. A chorus. And a chorus in miracles. So he yeah he was just saying he'd like to join with me in the Bay Area and do a little piece. But it's going to be a lot of musicians and yeah. Great. C- cool.
0: Yeah. It's going to be in the next Living A Course in Miracles series. Mm, okay. So I'm excited about that, yeah. Well, uh, we have just a few minutes. Yeah, do we have any questions from the live streamers? No. Okay. Any final questions? Because we'll, we'll do a little bit of five minutes of housekeeping kind of things after we close out with the live streamers. Any Other questions, anything?
4: When the Course talks about uh, that we are one mind, and that this mind has fallen asleep, and then this is the dream of separation, and while I am not awake, and I still think in some way that I am here, how do you perceive or how do you do to walk through or to remember that you are that oneness? Because to me sometimes it's really clear and I know I am that mind and then it's everything is much easier but then when you are really trapped in the world or a situation really gets in your face and you don't know how to react and you completely forget about that which i think are the moments when you need these teachings the most how how do you do how do you ask the holy spirit or how do you do to recon- reconnect with these with uh, or this higher self or or you just don't?
2: (laughs) Well I did ask Jesus about that at the beginning because that seems to be your question is like essential to what do you do when you've seemed to gone off the beam or you you've you're not happy and you want to come out of it. And he pointed me to his Rules for Decisions section, kind of near the text, where he says it's, it's much easier to have a, a peaceful, happy, lovey, loving day um, if, you can s- if you can keep your purpose out front, uh, if you can start the day right and stay with it, than it is when you get off. Because he, cause basically he says in that Rules for decision section, if you can just really practice the first two steps I'm giving you, you know, that, that it's much easier to, to stay in the flow and the rhythm. You know, uh, decide the kind of day that you want, that's number one, and then say to yourself, if I make no decisions by myself, this is the day that will be given me. Mm. Which is really just saying, Holy Spirit, decide for God for me. I give my day to you, I give my life to you, and so forth. Then three, four, five, you know, the, the reparation is much more difficult. So, that's where your question is at. It's like, how do I, how do I turn? And I relate to what Jennifer was saying about the, the praying. I, I feel like I started to see that the, the prayer is everything, and that I always get what I'm asking for, so I better watch what I'm praying for. I have to, I have to go through some kind of purification, like at the inner chambers, at the inner altar, to really be a demonstration, a, a living demonstration. Otherwise, it's, it, there's going to have to be some of that back and forth. It just means that I'm not haven't sufficiently purified uh, to do that. And so, I think everybody finds something different. I took the prayer at the beginning of the course. I'm here only to be truly helpful because I resonated. I said, oh, I can practice this. I'm going to memorize this. And I said to Jesus, help me, how can I learn to live this prayer? And Jesus said, well, every time you you go through a a, a hallway or a doorway, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a laundromat or a grocery store or to a course group or visit your mother or whatever, pause before you go through the doorway and pray this prayer with me and set your mind right. Just to keep it open. Like I'm here only to be truly helpful. And that worked amazingly well. I got into that. I said I'm not going to miss a doorway. I'm going to every single doorway I go through in my own room. I leave my room in the morning. I'm going to do it. Because it was something I could practice with. I was excited about doing it that way. Instead of trying to repair my state of mind when I had gone off, it was, it was so difficult to get back. Right. So I kind of turned it around, I said, I'm going to... It's almost like preventative medicine, Yes. it's the same kind of principle.
0: Yeah, and it's also with the idea of, I have to repair, it's, it's like looking on the sin and then forgiving it, yeah. you know, saying, oh, this is awful, and then I'm going to make it better. It's affirming that it's bad, there's no need for that, it's not bad everything is gently planned by one whose only interest is your good so it's not bad it's there to help you you know you're upset to help yourself I that's why the upset I call the divine alarm clock I love that that's awesome going through the doorway and that prayer is so easy on page 28 that little prayer Here to be truly helpful. Yeah, Yeah. great question. Anna asked me earlier at dinner, she said, uh, How is the, she asked me something like, How has the Course helped me? And I said, um, You know, the Course didn't really help me. I helped me.
2: Got to practice it. Yeah,
0: I mean, in a sense, it's an inanimate object, you know? But the living truth is contained here. I think it's important to remember that. Yeah. 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 We don't have to look outside ourselves. All right. So let's uh let's say a prayer and then uh, we're going to go over some little logistical things, but we'll just let the live streamers go. So, would you like to pray us out?
2: Yeah. Holy Spirit, be in our minds. Be with us as we enter into each day and go to sleep at night. Help us heal by our willingness to hide nothing from you, and keep nothing private. Each day we have so many opportunities to align with our will, the will we share with God. Be with us through the day and through the night. Amen.
0: Amen. So, farewell to the live streamers. Mm-hmm. We'll see you in the morning. Oh, Oh, you please forgive me.